Okay. That's is that a problem? Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. It's too late now, isn't it? It's I can't really now. change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back yeah. and get born again. <laughs> 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 This is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. What do customers want from brands in the future? What type of experience could a brand deliver that's different from today? MC, welcome. Hey, Dave. Back again for another year. Yeah, 2020. 2020, feeling good? Yeah, feeling great. Nice. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about the future of brand. It's a good time to do it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward. Resolutions, (laughs) all that sort of stuff. It's interesting when you think about what's ahead for the future of brand and how brands could potentially evolve. The first place that my mind goes to is transparency. Mm -hmm. I think we're probably living in a culture now that expects transparency, Mm -hmm. doesn't always get it. (laughs) Um, In many spheres like politics, for example, we are, you know, mistrusting and and find it difficult to believe in political brands. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, the that trust can be built in other places through through brands that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And so transparency, I think, is becoming a, a big factor. Yep. But I think possibly as brands, we, we still feel a bit unsure about how much should you share mm-hmm. you know, and how transparent you should be. Yeah. So, that would be the first place to start, I think. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me about the transparency angle and you say customers expected that sort of thing, brands are unsure, is I think what you're also seeing is it's getting to a point often where like brands don't have a choice anymore. Like, and what I mean by that is you're even seeing, I think, a lot more sort of exposés into brands and their culture and, you know, what they're really about and really like behind the scenes. You know, certainly the Uber example comes to mind where, you know, shiny, glossy brand and seemingly everyone loves them, but then it's exposed that they have a really toxic culture and, you know, what impact does that have on the business and the brand? Yeah, what was the, I mean... I'm, I'm vaguely aware of the story, but I mean, what what was the fallout from all of that? Well, I mean, that in itself is interesting is like how much damage did it actually do in the end? Like mm. it's Uber's still pretty ubiquitous. I mean, how much of that is just market domination versus people loving the brand? You're certainly seeing a few more competitors pop up in that space. and I'm seeing a lot of new stickers on the back of yeah. Uber's with um, some of the other ride sharing yeah. and ride apps. And I do wonder that. Is that door left a little bit more ajar because of some negative feelings toward Uber, whether it's even, you know, the the general culture was, you know, seen to be quite sexist and oppressive and, you know, just chaotic and that sort of thing and didn't treat their staff particularly well. But I think there's also some, you know, sort of growing concern about how much they pay their drivers and all that sort of stuff. I know there's new laws in California that is actually changing the employment law to sort of handle the gig economy and what that's going to do, you know, as a knock-on effect to brands like Uber and stuff mm. like that. So, it's interesting. There's there's definitely fallout, but then as you say, like, if I was going to go somewhere now, I'd probably still use Uber too. But I guess to bring it back around to that transparency thing, like, I think that to your point, it is going to be more and more important, you know, to be transparent, but also to make sure that if someone does peek behind the curtain that they're going to like what they see. They like what they see. That's a, that's a good point, actually, yeah, because at some point 
the the customer, the user is going to have an opportunity to peek behind the, the, the curtain, whether that's an expose piece that's, you know, some, you know, reporters doing on the, on the business or, you know, whether it's leaked memos, which is usually what happens now yeah. in, in staff culture. Yeah. I mean, I was telling you guys about that Away brand, which is a luxury lug- luggage brand that's, yeah. you know, presents an amazing glossy image and particularly on Instagram with their ads and it's really nice product and even something that I was interested in. And then, yeah, there was a story on the verge about how toxic their culture is and how they treat their staff really poorly and even some of the product issues and customer service issues that they've had. And it's another good example where, yeah, it's almost like I think you're going to get caught out. I mean, the interesting thing about that to me is it brings it all the way back around to a theme that we've been banging on about the whole time, which is about being authentic in the first place. Yeah. You know, like transparency is a bad thing for you if what you're presenting up front is not what you're delivering, you know, behind the scenes. Like it's not a problem if if you are your brand, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. So, another way of saying that is like expect to be transparent, expect to be um, open, expect to be an open book on on your brand because at some point your customers, your users are going to want to look a little closer yeah. at the, the brand they're dealing with. Yeah. And as we talked about, there's all those other benefits of being authentic in the first place anyway. You know, it will ring more true. It'll feel more authentic for you and your staff. It'll just be something that you can back up and deliver if you're authentic in the first place. And then I just think that if you follow that kind of guidance, then you're going to have less issues if and when transparency becomes a thing. Yeah, and it's, transparency is is interesting in terms of how far you can go with transparency. Like I was on a website a couple of months ago and it was showing you, it was an e-commerce website and I, I can't remember what it was for. I think it was actually for shoes. And it showed you like the landed costs into Australia, then the markup, yeah, right. then all the like the overhead costs that, that go into like making it. And, and so it, and then it go, and then it ran it out in a retail price. Yeah. So it was like full transparency on the retail price, which is I've never seen that before. Yeah. And at first I was like, ooh, that feels like they're exposing too much of <laughs> yeah, themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Went on to read a bunch of reviews about it and yeah, hugely successful company. So even though you know how much money they're making on every pair of shoes, there's this weird sort of like trust element and then oh, comes into for sure, it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting spectrum. But uh, I think we're aligned in saying that transparency is going to be one of those uh, tenants in the mm. future that you want to master as a brand. Yep. You've got to decide what's right in terms of, you know, how transparent you want to be. Maybe you don't want to go down to that, <laughs> that pricing level. But I also think that ap- applies with um, employees as well. I mean, a lot of companies do open book reporting now, mm. share their, their you know, very sensitive financial numbers with employees. And, and that's important, I think, for, for culture as well too, to yeah. understand how well your company's doing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I saw another good example on the transparency front. So, got a body shop product at home and actually has a little sticker on it of like a little illustrative avatar of the person who made it so it's obviously manufactured overseas but they're actually identifying you know this product was made by ethan and it's a photo of not a photo but like a digital illustration of the guy who made it right you know so again they're being transparent i guess about where and how it's manufactured and that there is a human element behind it yeah Um, interesting which i think definitely dovetails into 
the social responsibility side of things as well. For sure. And that's yeah. something that you wanted to touch on. Oh, well, I mean, I think social responsibility is, is, is a big aspect of, of a brand uh, now, but also I, I think we're just at the start of that. Yeah. I think we're only really just starting to scratch the surface of of what that means to be socially aware as a, as a brand. I was going to say woke then, but that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very unwoke of us. Yeah, yeah, that would be very unwoke. And, and, I th- and I feel in a lot of ways that this may be a controversial point, but, but politics, I think, uh, in particular in Australia and also if you look globally, is a bit broken. Like that business model is broken. I mean, politics really hasn't been reformed in such a long time versus, say, the speed at which the economy and the companies which operate within that economy have to reinvent themselves time and time and time again. Politics hasn't kind of been through that so much mm. and and therefore I think when we look for leadership, we're not tending to look in the traditional places that we would normally look, which would be to like our nation's leaders. And there's a bit of a broad sweeping statement, yeah. but... But we're starting to look at brands and I think how our brands are leading some of those discussions around inclusiveness or environmental awareness, climate change. You know, some of those, the, the big the big issues are really kind of now being driven by, by brands and, mm. and having that conversation. Like Patagonia, we've talked about Patagonia a lot. Yep. I mean, they're, they're a brand that have been doing this since the 70s, so it's kind of really been built into their, their DNA. But more than ever, mm. like brands like that, uh, have a platform now in which to, to talk about some of those things. And, yeah. and I can only see, as I say, we're just scratching the surface of what it means to be, you know, uh, socially aware and to to align yourself because I think it was almost like a bit of corporate suicide to align yourself with a, with a cause, with a mission, with stuff that was happening, you know, in our, in our lives. But now I think we look to our brands to, to do that. Yeah, certainly. I think the customer expectation, you know, will has continued to rise and will keep continuing to rise in terms of, you know, even brands that don't necessarily have that as their main platform, that at least they have some element of that or that if they are involved in manufacturing or overseas labor in some way that they're taking all that into account and being transparent about it as we talked about. Yeah, that's almost just a becoming, I think, sort of a square one type thing for a lot of brands. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, domestically here, when we're talking about, I mean, climate change has been a real hot button mm-hmm. um, with the recent bushfires. And, and you know, policy takes a long time to, to, to form up in, mm-hmm. in go- like, you know, decades yeah. in, in essence, whereas you've got companies out there who are just, just doing it right yeah. now. Like, it's just because they think that that's the right thing to do. That's the way to contribute. That's the way to you know, grow in a, in a way that's sustainable to the planet and they're not waiting for the policy change. They're not waiting to be mandated yeah. like you have to do this now. Like they're, they're doing it and, and I think they're the brands that we're going to connect with in the future. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that statement you made before about the idea that we're not looking to our, uh, you know, typical leaders but we're looking to brands and our business leaders, I think the somewhat you know, possibly scary flip side of that is some of the uh, the bigger brands in the world and their sort of, you know, monopolization and and potentially, you know, negative effects that you have from like, you know, these giant companies like Facebook and Google and they're so big and so much a power to themselves that they are creating social change that's not necessarily for the better. Absolutely, yeah. And, 
and and that's definitely the role also for for government to play in that in, in regulating some of that yeah. um, it's just they're a little bit slow to get to the space yeah and i think i guess the reason partly i wanted to bring that up too in terms of bring it back to the brand conversation is i think figuring out how as a brand you'll deal with unintended consequences is a really interesting mm. idea at the moment and so like You've seen, you know, the likes of Apple and Google introduce things, you know, tools on their phones that are actually designed to help you use the phone less, you know, because they've realized that there's this unintended consequences of making their products so great and addictive, essentially, that they've had to come in with tools, you know, to help you use their products less, which sounds crazy when you put it like that. But again, they're sort of looking at an issue and thinking as a brand how they're going to have to deal with that which I think is really interesting, you know, certainly social media sort of playing into some of the same issues. Like you've seen Instagram remove the number of likes from posts in some countries, you know, to sort of, I guess, get, you know, reverse some of the potential negative effects that they create. But even some other things like to me, Slack's a good example where they've come out as a brand and their whole mantra was like, we'll fix productivity, you know, we'll get rid of your emails and, you know, everything will be great. Whereas you read endless blog posts after blog posts about how it's wrecking productivity <laughs> and killing teams and yeah. everyone's spending forever on Slack and what do we do about it, you know? And so I just think the more that these brands sort of have these far reaching consequences, the more they're going to have to deal with yet yeah, some of the negative things that they might create. I agree. And and I would say that the speed in which some of those changes or the way that they've responded is still far quicker than a oh, government, sure. governmental yeah. response. And yeah. so, so I think from that point of view, it's good. But I, I 100% agree with you that there, there are going to be some unintended consequences, but also opportunities. I mean, these, these tech giants that are here now will still be here in a decade's time, but there might be some other big players in there that that capitalise on that. That's where the opportunity kind of um, is born is when people get sick of uh, you know, being tracked across the internet, like maybe they'll look for another solution to perform, you know, their searches. So, I mean, I've definitely been guilty of pressing that that button on my phone that you know, says, you've had enough of social media today. <laughs> Do you want just 15 override, more minutes? Yeah, yeah override, boom. <laughs> I need some help. Yeah, for sure. All right. What else is on the list? What, where, where do you see, where do you see a bit of brand building happening in the future? Yeah, I guess. I mean, one of the interesting trends and sort of piggybacks a bit off that that I sort of noticed a bit lately is this idea of how social media and the habits that people have, but social is obviously a big one. Like, will shape which brands win, and I don't really mean that in the typical sense that you think about it from a brand and marketing point of view like how good's your social strategy and how engaging your social posts but more like just seeing that certain platforms and tools and stuff actually dictate which brands do well just inherently by habit and it's come up to me around this idea of like say instagram is such a popular platform and certain brands and products just do really well in that format and so that because they're such a big platform they're actually influencing what types of businesses and brands do well. You know, you see a lot of stuff on there that's like individual consumer products, you know, where a single image like tells so much of the product story. So, therefore, those brands and products do really well on Instagram. You know, they're suited to their ad format, you know, whereas I was talking to a friend who runs his own business where he's in 
has a marketplace that's all around entertainment and trying to get artists on the platform to sell their services. And it's like, well, that whole rich story doesn't fit into a, you know, square photo. It's very hard to tell. So like that negatively influences their ability to kind of cut through on a platform like Instagram. Whereas something like, you know, a high smile where it's all about putting a thing in your mouth and getting a white smile is like just tailor made for that platform. So it's just kind of interesting to me that because some of these things are so big and so powerful, they can literally influence, you know, the sort of success or failure of different types of business models. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like brands that do the right thing that stand for something, they will be the the, the ones that we trust most and mm-hmm. eventually will we'll win as yeah. well. I, I can see that it's not that we're getting more moralistic about about the, the brands that we we want to um, work not work with but you know patronage buy from yeah buy from it's just uh, i think that we we want to look to those those brands as as beacons for uh how we want to live our lives mm. as well too to reflect you know the the, the types of um, values that we have which is classic brand theory you know that yeah. hasn't changed for for decades but i think your point is as well that the the values that we have as a society or want to reflect have changed and become more social. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Other one on my list, personalization. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, and this is probably born out of technology that we're, we're able to get more personalized in the, the brand journey now. So we can have more of those one-on-one type conversations at scale with, with our customers. And so we have to think about that as brands, like how, how do we leverage that? And where's that all kind of going? Because that's a huge opportunity. But the little caveat with that, I think, is we have to make sure that we keep, uh, if, we, if we're going to use tech, which most of us will, um, or have a tech component to our business model, that we keep the human element there. Mm. I think that's going to be a critical place to, to win is to make sure that we just don't feel like we're talking to robots. Because I, I know when I'm... When I'm being botted, I know that I'm being <laughs> botted. Like I know that when when I receive a templated response and email, even though it's meant to be customized, I know that it's yeah, it's just you know. And it, it, to be honest, it feels a little bit hollow. Mm. But there are there are starting to become um, examples out there of where you know where companies are doing that that one on one interaction a lot better yeah. at scale. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I mean that sort of ties into probably the last one that I had, which was. I guess the the ongoing rise in importance of user experience and, you know, that's in some ways not something new. It's, you know, it feels like something that we've been talking about for yeah. years. But, again, I think like the social aspect, it's definitely grown, but it's just going to continue to grow. And I think particularly, as you say, in, in a lot of these scenarios where you are having an interaction with something that's almost purely digital, like, again, how do you keep that human element coming back into it? But... How do you make sure that when your brand is the product, like they're literally the same thing, you know, is the experience that, you know, it's it's engaging and creating that connection with the people that are using the product. It's not just sort of seen as very mechanical or utilitarian. Like you've, you've got new challenges and ways, I guess, that you've got to build that connection to a brand, you know, if it's all done online sort of thing. So, 
And I think people just generally have higher expectations. You know, they want to do a lot more stuff for themselves. You know, it's a lot of the the self-service culture, you know, continues to permeate that. So, yeah, certainly focus on continuing to invest in that area is going to be key. Yeah, I mean, if I can just kind of echo a couple of things there. I mean, the... The one thing I think we've got to work on as as brands is to simplify the products, simplify the offering. Mm. And that's never been truer than today and think about five years, ten years in the future because it, our attention is being bombarded mm. in, in ways that uh, we've never really experienced before. And so, it's, it's very, very critical that when we're putting our product offering out there in front of our customers that we're being succinct, we're being clear, telling a good story around it, but we're not trying to overcomplicate it because it's the last thing that our customers need Mm -hmm. is complicated products to figure out. They need simplicity. Yeah, and I think the the sort of digital economy almost rails against that or there's, there's just such an opportunity of like, just because you can, you do, you know, because I, I can write a bit more code and I can make this thing have <laughs> yeah. another feature. Like, well, why not? Yeah. You know, you might as well keep adding more to it. Yeah. So, I think it kind of, there's a bit of added temptation and danger to do what you're saying not to do there. So, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, is that it for our list for- That's it for, for me. For what's happening on the, on the, the future front? Yeah. I'm nice. sure there'll be more to come, but- Yeah, absolutely. All right. Cool. Thanks, MC. Thanks, Dad. Layers is a weekly podcast, a conversation between two brand blokes. If you want to hit us up with any questions, you can reach us through our studio, which is at ply.studio. If you want to learn more about building a brand, you can listen to other episodes at layerspodcast.com or through other good podcast platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Layers. Layers.